All right. Good to be here today. Man, excited for today. I just was thinking this week about how I've really seen God do a lot of amazing things in my life, starting with when he forgave me of my sins and changed my heart on the inside. And then I've seen that happen with person after person after person. God just transformed lives from the inside out. I've seen physical healings. I've seen miraculous physical healings. I've seen emotional healings. I've seen, and many of you are like, yeah, because we were. this is a room full of believers, so we've, we've seen a lot of this stuff. I've seen spiritual gifts. People receive spiritual gifts that are miraculous and unique to them. I've seen relationships restored. I've seen families, husbands and wives come back together, ch- children and parents, relationships restored. I've seen new relationships come together in ways that only God could do. I could spend all day just talking about what I've seen God do. And I was thinking about that in almost every one of these situations where I've seen God work in a real way that's changed things, almost always there's a common ingredient. And so that's a good thing to know because if you want to see amazing things happen, if you want to see God move in your life and the world around you, and what that common element is what, is the, what we're going to be talking about today. We're, we've been doing a series called Forgotten Fundamentals about aspects of this Christian life that are often and easily forgotten. And the element that we're talking about today is that element that's common to most of the time when we see God move. And what that element is, is a person having faith in God. It's God doesn't just usually just randomly just do stuff. He occasionally does that, and that's really cool when that happens. But most of the time when you see God work in the world, there is a person who is putting their trust in God and aligning themselves with God and looking to him. And in that place of faith, God shows up. John Wesley said that God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And John Wesley knew a little bit about what God would do in the world. For those of you who know anything about John Wesley, God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. And so that is, this is just huge. And you might be like, well, yeah, this is, this is, this is church. We're talking about God. I mean, it's kind of basic, right? Well, it's a fundamental, but it's, it's easily, easy to forget. In Hebrews 6, 1, 6, 1 and 2, it's talking about the foundations of the faith. And it starts out, it says, the foundation, repentance, from dead works, and faith towards God. Wow, if we get that, I mean, so that just sums up so much of what the Christian life is all about. It's repenting or turning away from dead works. And by dead works, we, we not only mean the obvious stuff, like getting, getting drunk or immorality or lying or cheating. And all. It's repenting from those dead works, but it's also repenting from the dead works of putting all our faith in our own ability putting our faith in our own strength, trusting in ourselves. That, those are dead works that can't get us where God wants to get us. But it's repenting from everything that's self-centered, that's sin, and turning and placing our faith in God. Faith towards God. Um, we're, the title of this message is Faithfulness, because and I'm not going to go into this very long, but faith is it's both trusting God and also aligning ourselves with him. 
It's been defined as believing loyalty. So it's, it's, it's not trusting ourselves, it's trusting him. But it's also out of that, because we trust him, there's a heart change where our hearts become loyal to him and we're lining our lives up with him. This is what brings together so much of the Bible. If you don't understand this, it's, you're gonna, things won't make sense. Like when the Bible says, faith without works is dead. You're like, or I'm not, you're, you're saved by grace. But then it says, well, I'm saved by the, the, it talks about works have to be involved in faith as well. So there's this, it, it brings together Jesus as Savior and Lord. You can't separate these things because trusting in Jesus as Savior is also believing in him, having faith in him as our Lord, as our King. And so faith is the thing that brings all this together. But it's so, so dang easy to forget. It's so, like we say, prone to wander. Lord, I feel it. No matter, it's like, it's easy for us to drift and to forget that really all of what God is looking for in us is faith towards him. Paul was writing a letter to a church in the city of Galatia that had this problem. In Galatians 6, uh, 1 through 6, he said, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? We've got a lot of witches showing their heads right now this time of year. But this is a bewitching that is, and I, that is more typical of how the dark unseen realm bewitches us. It's not so obvious. There's not an ugly lady with a pointed hat who shows up in front of you and says, here, fall from my spell. No, this is a kind of bewitching that there is an enemy who entices us, but it's, it's not so obvious. Who has bewitched you? It was before your eyes that Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified. What's he saying there? He's saying that the whole essence of what we're building our life on is not what you do, but it's what God has done in the person of Jesus. That everything our Christian life is built upon is on the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. Nothing else that we put our trust in is going to, counts for anything. Nothing else is going to really accomplish the kind of life that God intends for us and that really we yearn for, that we want for. So he's like, hey, it's before your eyes that we told you the message that Jesus came. God came. He sent his son. He took on our sin. He was crucified to bring about new creation, to do something that you couldn't do. Who's bewitched you? How do you forget that? Let me ask you only this. I'm not mad, I'm just excited, all right? I hope you can tell that in my voice. Let me ask you only this. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law? When you received God's Spirit, was it by doing good things? Was it even by, by you, by your own strength and your own morality, obeying God's commandments? No. Or was it by hearing with faith? Wow. This is revolutionary. No other philosophy in the world, no other religion in the world gets this. Every other philosophy, it's like, every other religion is like, hey, do this, do enough good things, line up your life, and you'll get good results. But the message of the gospel is that, no, we can't do that, but God did it. And there's a message of who he is, that when we put our faith in him, that that changes things. We re then we receive his spirit, then new life comes. Are you so foolish? He's like, you know, you're acting kind of foolish here. But don't be so foolish. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the Spirit, are you now being perfected 
by the flesh. You know, these people were like many of us. They started out putting their faith in God. But then over time, it, it's so easy to drift. It's so easy to forget. It's so easy to put our trust in ourselves. He's like, don't forget what this all is built upon. Did you suffer so many things in vain, if indeed it was in vain? In other words, man, you, you believe this gospel so much that you were willing to suffer for it because you believe that even in your suffering, God was doing something world-changing and life-changing in you. You suffered all those things because you believed. But if you don't believe, it's going to all be in vain. It's just going to be having a bad day. All right? All those hard things you're going through, they can either be purposeful, if it's from a place of faith, or it's just a waste of everything. So it's your choice. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you do it by works of the law or by hearing with faith? Wow, it's just saying this is the normal Christian life, that the Spirit of God comes upon us, it comes in us, it changes us, we see miracles, we see healings, we see divine open doors, we see God work. But don't forget, it's not by us trying harder and doing more, and it's not our own strength. But it's because we hear God's word and we respond with faith. Man, this is good news, right? Yeah. Like, that sounds a whole lot easier to me. That sounds a whole lot easier. Although it's not always completely easy, but it's, man, much easier than trying to make it happen by ourselves. By hearing with faith, just as Abraham believed God and it was reckoned to him, it was counted to him as righteousness. So in the same way that Abraham was considered righteous because God spoke to him and he just believed God's word. He was counted as righteous and he came into God's purpose for his life in the world. So this is true, but it's easy to forget. Um, I'm going to look at one more passage here, or the next passage. We've got a couple more, but this is, this is kind of our, our, key, our key thing we want to look at today. From Mark chapter 11, this is right before Jesus is crucified and he's just done this this odd miracle of he cursed a fig tree and then they came back a little bit later and the disciples were like, uh, that tree, it was kind of weird yesterday when you walked by and you spoke to it and said, may no one ever eat from you again, eat fruit from you again. And then we come back, like, you do some weird things, Jesus, but we didn't know what was up with that. And we're not going to go into that. that was, there, there was a greater prophetic significance of that as well. But they come back the next day, and the tree is withered from the roots. The disciples are like, okay, we've seen a lot. Jesus, you've done a lot, but our minds are blowing once again. You speak to a tree, and it dies. I mean, some of you may be like, man, I don't have a green thumb. I feel like that happens when I speak to my plants too. But it's not quite the same as what happened right here with this tree. So Jesus, so they're like, what's going on? And this is Jesus' answer. Mark eleven twenty two. Jesus answered them, have faith in God. Okay, you just stop right there. Just, if you just repeat that to yourself all month long, then you're going to get it. This is what it's about. Have faith in God. You don't need to go to seminary. You don't need to figure out the ins and outs of theology and you know, what, what does what's happening in Israel mean to do, have to do with end times? Or that's, well, bring it all back to this forgotten fundamental that everything's built upon. Have faith in God. And he says this, Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, he points to the mountain that's there, 
Whoever says to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says will come to pass, it will be done for him. Okay, this is pretty radical stuff. This is, this is mind-blowing. Jesus says, hey, if you, just, if you have faith in God, and you speak to this mountain, move into the ocean, it will be done. Therefore I tell you, okay, what's, what's yeah, man, so how do we apply this? Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And whenever you stand praying, forgive if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. All right, there's a lot here. I just want to take two main takeaways from this. If you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes on Sundays. It's, it's, there's some good like, things to, to, to meditate on um, during the week. Um, two main points here about faith. Faith increases God's involvement with you and me. Faith increases God's involvement with us. I said at the beginning, most of the amazing stuff that God does, most of the places where God shows up in the life, in, in your life, in the world, it's not where you have a need. It's where you have a need joined with faith. If God showed up everywhere there was a need, we wouldn't have any more needs in the world, right? Also, if, if God showed up everywhere where there were needy people, we'd have a world of spiritual giants. Because, man, there's, there's so much need. And we often think, like, wow, how come God's not, like, showing up in this place of need? Where is God in the world? God is, doesn't, he does care about the needs of the world and our needs. But he is, in his creation of us as image bearers to partner with him, he's made it in such a way that he shows up in a place where people, where men and women put their faith in him. And that's where his answer comes. That's where his presence comes. That's where change comes into those places of need. God can move mountains wherever he wants. God's, it's his word holding that mountain together. It's his presence and his word that's holding your fingernail together at this moment. God is totally involved and present holding the universe together, and it's in him, as, as Paul said, one of the Greek poets said, it's in him that we live and move and have our being. He is everywhere. Everything is, is by his grace and power and sustaining. But there is a, a place of him wanting to do more in your life. There is a place of him ready to do more in the world. But the key is people who will have faith in God in that place. It's... We, we like to say around here that God doesn't call us, or that the Christian life isn't difficult. It's impossible. The Christian life is actually really difficult, but it's, it's also easy when God shows up in, a, in an interesting way. But really, if you think about it, the life that God calls you to is not a life of like, oh man, that's really hard. I don't know if I can do it. I mean, but I mean, if I try really hard, like maybe I can live this life that God calls me to. But actually, the life that God calls each and every one of us to is impossible. 
It's a life that you and I can't live in our own ability. You and I cannot live in our own strength. It's a life that is only possible when he shows up and makes it happen. And so faith is the thing that increases God's involvement in our life. And, you know, this is all like well and good until you got a tough situation, right? This is all good, well and good until you don't have enough money in your bank account. And you're like, oh, man, what am I going to do? Is God, like, is there a, can God come through in that impossible situation? It's all well and good until you're overwhelmed by the busyness of your life and don't know how to manage everything and there's just too much going on. It's, it's all well and good until you're that relationship is, man, that's a tough relationship. I can't resolve that. I can't work through that. And that is a place for having faith in God. That is a place for looking to him. It's not for the like, easy stuff, but it's for the impossible stuff where he wants to show up and move powerfully. Um, faith increases God's involvement with us. So it's good stuff, right? What does that mean? What is that? What is, where's the ceiling on our life if this is true? Hey, there's like no ceiling because everything's possible with God. God can do the impossible. Now, it's important. That doesn't mean Jesus, there's a, it's important that we are remembering what faith is. Faith is not getting whatever we want, but it's lining up our lives with him and what he wants. And so, this is not, don't apply this by like, buy a lottery ticket, and like, I'm just going to speak to this lottery ticket, be the winning $2 billion lottery ticket. No, that's, that's not having faith in God. You don't, you know, some of you dudes might be getting ideas. I'm going to go stand in front of a sorority and just speak to that sorority. The most beautiful girl in here is going to be my wife. No, this this is not what it's saying. This is all about, like, God's will coming to earth. That's why at the end of it, it's it's kind of random. Jesus says, hey, while you're, he gives all this stuff about believing God and mountains will move and the impossible is possible. And then he says, hey, therefore forgive everyone that you have an offense against and your sins will be forgiven. It's like, wait, that seems different. But it's like what Brendan was talking about this morning with communion. There's, it's, there's a process of getting our heart lined up with his, of becoming faithful to him. That puts us in a position where then his desires, his will becomes our desires. And we're like, oh, man, Lord, I want what you want. And I'm surrendering to you. I'm lining up with you. And as I'm in that place, then I can pray with confidence. God, you're showing me what you want to do. And I'm going to pray in faith that you're going to do it. So faith increases God's involvement with us. The second thing faith does, it's the opposite. I mean, it's not really opposite, but it kind of sounds opposite. Faith increases our involvement with God. Faith gets us in the place of us being engaged in what God's doing in the world. Jesus said in in John 6, 28, 28 and 29, He was asked the question, verse 28, Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? We want to do the works of God. You said we should do God's work. So how do we do this? How do we do God's work? And this is Jesus' answer. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in the one whom he has sent. Wow. That's God's work. That you believe in the one whom he has sent. What does that look like? 
Because that's, is that, hey, I prayed a prayer that I asked Jesus to be my Savior and come into my heart. I believed in him. Well, yes, that's the starting point. But it's also today when you're facing a situation that is challenging, that is difficult. When you've got a loved one who you care about and they've got a problem in their life or there's a relationship that's broken or there's, you've got a child that's wandering or straying or whatever the situation is, the work of God, what he looks for us to do is to believe in the one whom he has sent right there in that situation. It's going, okay, Jesus, I need help. But Lord, I'm putting my trust in you, Jesus, right now today. I want to do the work. I can't do this, but Lord, I'm going to put my trust in your work. I'm going to put my trust in you to bring your will about in this situation. And as we do that, we see the work of God happen in the world. It's amazing how that's where God shows up. I had a conversation with someone in my extended family about who's from a the most traditional branch of Christianity you could possibly be part of. It's just Orthodox Christian. And we had a conversation about missions. <clears throat> and she was saying, you know, I don't really agree with the way Protestants do missions. Now, they're just like, they got all these like, 19-year-olds going around the world thinking they're missionaries and bringing the gospel. And they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, it's just, you guys just like do missions everywhere. What are you doing? And I said, well, I like the way we're, it's pretty amazing how there are way more Protestant missionaries all over the world than there are Orthodox missionaries all over the world who've been around for a lot longer. Because there's, it's, there are a lot, because I found out that the places, and I've, there are more people coming to faith in Jesus. Because I like the way of us figuring out God's will and doing something about it, more than this religious way of just waiting for God to bring everything about and nothing ever happens. It's, but when you get God's heart, like, man, I've, I've, the stories I've seen again are like people getting saved, people's lives being changed. It's like when it's happened through my life, it's not nearly as much as I want. It's almost always when I've got a burr under my saddle. I'm like, you know what? It's not okay. The, the, like, there needs to be more fruit. There needs to be more people getting saved. I need to see more of my friends coming to the kingdom. Man, then we need to see more believers in Manhattan. And man, okay, that, and that spurs me to prayer. And God, this is what you want to do. And faith rises. And then, you know, it's not perfect, but then, lo and behold, wow, there's some fruit. There's someone who just started following Jesus. There's a connection. So, and it's, then you're like, wow, I got to be part of that. I, I mean, little, little broken, stupid me. But... Somehow God used me a little bit in that process. And that's what God invites every one of us to. It's like, man, there is, there is a world of need. There's a world of opportunity. And as we look to him to be people who trust him, to believe in Jesus in those places, that's where things happen. So faith increases our involvement with God. So how do we live by faith? How do we live by faith? Three things I want to hit on. Number one, ask for it. How do you get faith? Ask God. Ask for it. Faith is a real thing. It's not just like something you conjure up on your own ability, but faith is actually 
God gives us the ability. Faith is a real thing. In Hebrews 11.1, 1, in the King James, the New King James Version, it says, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. It's a, it's a substance. There's a, there's, a, there's a gift. Faith is, is one of the spiritual gifts. And there's a, a grace. You know, yes, we need to choose to believe, but we also just ask God, God, I don't have much faith. Will you give me more? There's a great example of this in Mark 9. It was a really tough situation. Um, and the father was bringing his child to Jesus to be healed. And the father was, was wrestling. He, you know, this situation had gotten better for years and years. And he came to Jesus, and in, in Mark 9.22, he said, But, Jesus, if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. So we see here, there's, there's, how much need do you see there? How much faith do you see there? Well, there's a lot of need. And there's a little bit of faith. But also he's wrestling with like, oh, I don't know. If you can do anything, but please do. I think maybe you can, but if you can do something, please take compassion on us and help us. And Jesus said to him, if you can, all things are possible for one who believes. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, help my unbelief. That's a good prayer. I believe, help my unbelief. I believe, but man, there's still a lot that's not fully there yet. So Lord, would you help me? Would you increase my faith? And that's a, that's a good prayer to ask, ask for it. So you ask for it. The second thing we need to do to live by faith is to feed our faith. You feed our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing. Hearing through the word of Christ. It's amazing. Just as God made the universe through his word, when we hear God's word, it does something. It brings faith into our life. If you don't have faith, I challenge you, I bet you're not reading the Bible every day. I challenge you to read the Bible every day for a month. Read the Gospels, stories of Jesus' life. Read some every day for a month. And ask God to increase your faith. Open up your heart, and your faith will grow. There's a direct correlation with how much of we're meditating on God's word, how much we're putting God's word in our mind, and how much faith that we have. Faith comes from hearing, hearing through the word of Christ. Another great thing is to declare God's word out loud. To speak God's word with your mouth. Remember Jesus, he said, hey, speak to this mountain. <clears throat> There's a place, he said, pray, and God will answer. And he also said, speak to this mountain. He didn't say, pray to God and ask him to move this mountain. But there's a power in our words, in speaking God's word directly. And so there's, we even, I think we should have some over there, some confession sheets with just like scriptures that you can speak out loud. That it's a great exercise to, to feed your faith and to see it rise up as you do that. So ask for faith, feed your faith, and then the third thing is use your faith. Use your faith. Faith is actually like a muscle. The more you use it, the more it grows. The less you use it, 
you know what happens. Withers away. So faith is, it starts in our minds, but when it really starts to grow and take effect is when we use it. If you look at the Hebrews chapter 11, is the chapter of faith, the hall of faith. It's listing all these people who live by faith throughout history, throughout scripture. And in person after person, it says what they did with their faith. By faith, Noah built an ark. By faith, Sarah received the ability to conceive. By faith, Abraham went to a land he didn't even know where it was, but he followed God. By faith, by faith, by faith. It's saying all these people, in in verse 32, it says, What more shall I say? For time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, of David, and Samuel, and the prophets. Look what they did. Who through faith conquered kingdoms. Through faith, they enforced justice. Through faith, they obtained promises. Through faith, they stopped the mouths of lions. Through faith, they quenched the power of fire. Through faith, they escaped the edge of the sword. Through faith, they were made strong out of weakness. They became mighty in war. They put foreign armies to flight. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Wow. All these, so there are these, they advanced the kingdom of God through their faith. And then it goes on and says, they also endured difficult times through their faith. Some were tortured. Some refused to accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. So faith, through their faith, they used it. And sometimes that looks like miraculous, exciting breakthroughs. And sometimes that looks like going through really difficult times, but knowing that, man, God, you're using this to bring new creation in the world. You're using this to bring your kingdom, even in the stuff that doesn't make sense, where I'm not getting the answer that I want. By faith, I'm part of what's happening in the situation. So I just want to close with two, two questions for each of us. First one, what do you need that's beyond your own ability or resources? What do you need that's beyond your own ability or resources. Maybe that's, we all could say this about our emotional needs. We could all say this about fulfillment, joy, peace. If that's beyond our own ability, the answer, have faith in God. Man, I can't, I can't find fulfillment in myself. I need God. Maybe it's financial provision. Maybe you're in a situation where you're like, I, I need money. <clears throat> and, you know, man, maybe look, you know, God has different ways of bringing that about, but the starting point is have faith in God. Bring that to God. I'm going to approach this situation with faith in you. Maybe there's a health need. Again, maybe doctors involved, maybe lifestyle changes. Maybe, I don't know what, but I know this, have faith in God. Have faith in God in that place. Maybe it's for friendships, for real friendships. Have faith in God. 
Maybe it's for purpose. Have faith in God. Whatever, what do you need that is beyond your own ability or resources? Bring it to God. Put your faith in him. Have faith in God. That's, uh, again, these things that it doesn't need, we don't need faith unless it's beyond our own abilities. And if we're only looking at things that we think we can accomplish with our own resources, then it keeps us from this forgotten fundamental. But, God, what do I need that I can't do by myself? Next question is, what are you going for that's impossible? What are you looking to see accomplished in your life that is humanly impossible? That's a good place for God to show up. But if, again, if we're, if we're living just a rationalistic human life that's not remembering God, that's not full of faith in him, then we're not going to see the impossible. But what are we going for that's impossible? You know, I, I remember when God first spoke to me and then a couple other people to move to Manhattan to start a church. And it was like, that's exciting. That's also impossible. Don't know anybody. Don't know anybody. I went to KU. That's a strike against me. <laughs> but, man, it's amazing how God shows up in those places. Um, I, and the impossible, I'm not, again, not just talking about winning the lottery or marrying Miss Universe or something like that, but it's, the impossible connected to the Great Commission. The impossible connected to God's kingdom coming in the world. In Romans 4.13, it says, For the promise to Abraham and his offspring, that's all believers, that he would be heir of the world, did not come through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. These are the promises God wants to give. The promise to be, to inherit the world. Abraham, he, he was just a man. And, but God used him to begin to bring the kingdom of God into the world. A couple, well, when was it? Um, after Roe v. Wade was overturned. I, was that just last summer? That was two summers ago. I was in a conversation with someone else, and they said, did you ever think we would see Roe v. Wade overturned in our lifetime? This is amazing. And I said, Yes. Because ever since I was a 19-year-old kid, and I was at this conference in California, and there was a group of us from Kansas, and there was a guy with the gift of prophecy, and he called us out, and he said, I believe God's going to use you all to overturn abortion in your state, and it's going to have a ripple effect around the nation. And something came into my heart, like, I think that's God speaking. That's what he wants to do. I'm going to believe him for that. And I've got a, a prayer list of things that I pray for most days. And that's one of those things on there. I'm praying to see abortion become unthinkable. I'm, seeing, I'm praying to see the hearts of our nation change in such a way so that people will be healed of, of, you know, the, they've been, who've had abortions or been part of that process, but also that we get to a place where we would realize that is not how we, how can we, how could we treat the most vulnerable people like that?
And so when Roe v. Wade was overturned, I was like, actually, yes. I believe that's going to happen. Slavery was overturned. All throughout history, God has used his people to, to end injustices. This is one that's going to happen. So I know it's not done yet, but that's, that's the kind of thing. You know, I'm, I'm praying on my prayer list. I'm praying for my kids to live full and purposeful lives. That often many days looks impossible. But, man, it's happening at the same time. I'm praying for that the, out of this church that we would plant 10 churches. I've been praying for that since we pretty much started. And it's kind of crazy that already, like, we've, we've helped train people that have planted three churches. It's like, wow, okay, we keep on believing God for the impossible. You know, I'm, I'm praying for a 1,000 disciples in Manhattan that we would get to be part of that. You know, to see, to see a church with a 1,000 disciples. I'm praying for, for 10 community groups. You know, I'm praying for 10 professors to be part of Bluemont Church. Man, that would be, that would be awesome, or people who work for K-State. I'm praying for 50 members of Bluemont. You can help make that impossible faith happen by coming to the Experiencing Christian Community class today. All right? <laughs> Don't uh, be part of what God's doing. Um, you know, I'm... I believe in God. This is, seems crazy, but I think he wants me to write a book about, about making your suffering count to change the world. And that seems more impossible to me most days than most of the rest of this. I'm like, how the heck am I I'm trying. This seems hard to find time for this. Short book, but something. Um, you know, these are impossible things, but I tell you, when I wake up in the morning, I pray. It, like, raises the expectation. It brings purpose, and it, I sense God coming into, okay, yes, I'm doing that. I'm doing that. Some of that, may, there may be dramatic things happen today. Some of it, it's incremental. But yes, I get to be part of the impossible things that God wants, you, wants to do. God wants you to have a list like that for you. Like, what are the impossible things that God wants to do in my life? What are the impossible things that he wants to do through my life? Man, okay, Jesus. Today, Lord... I think you put this in my heart. Lord, I'm believing you. I'm having faith in you, God. You're doing it. You're doing it. I'm speaking it into existence in agreement with your will. All right, Lord, what can I do today to be part of this process? Have faith in God and bring it about. End of Hebrews 11, the writer wraps up with this. It says, all these, though committed through their faith, did not receive what was promised. Since God had provided something better for us, that apart from us, they should not be made perfect. In other words, the era of faith is not over. The era of heroes who believe God and see impossible things happen, it's not over. God has provided something better for us, that we get to be part of this process. We get to be part of seeing God's kingdom come into the world. We get to be a part of being faithful people and the, the joy and the excitement of that. So, man... God's looking. He's looking for people. The eyes of the Lord are looking around the earth today. Where is there a person of faith? God loves faith. He loves faith. It gets him excited when he finds someone with a heart of faith. His eyes see that person and they stop. All right, hey, all right. That's what I'm looking for. Let's lock in. I'm locking in now. What are we going to do today? He loves that. God is, he's looking. He's, he's always like, 
Who are the people? Who are my people? Who are my people who are believing me today? Oh, there's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's one. There's another one. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, see, let's, let's see impossible things happen. So, man, this is, this is, I know this isn't new to many of us. Like, yeah, faith towards God. But it's like, man, it's the essence of how we live. And, again, it's, it's so easy to drift from. But, man, as we live this way, God shows up. And I believe many of us, God is, he is ready, even this week, to, to show up in your life as you bring that need to him. He's ready to bring a change. He's ready to involve you in his purpose in a new way. And he's calling us into that. So let's pray together. Thank you, Lord. God, I just, I thank you that you set it up like this. I thank you that you're this kind of God. That you made us as image bearers. You made us as conduits for your goodness, for your life, for your purpose into the world and into other people's lives and into our lives. God, I just trust you, Lord, even today. Would you, would you release a, a spirit of believing in our hearts? God, would you increase our faith? Would you give us the gift of faith? Lord, and I, Lord, even just thank you for the, the things you're beginning, to, you're stirring today, and you'll continue to stir of like, hey, believe me for this. Believe me for that. Lord, give us ears to hear. Give us a heart to believe. And Lord, we, we are, I'm just excited to see how you continue to, to bring your kingdom. Thank you that you're doing that, Lord. Thank you for the baptism today, Daniel. Lord, thank you for the lives that are being changed. Thank you that you are present and active. Lord, we trust you to increase our faith. Help us to live this way, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.